Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hey guys, Kyle Brandt's Basement. Welcome. Glad you're here. Grab a snack. Grab the remote control. You can have it if you want to. Mikasa Sukasa, especially on a game day. Raiders, Rams tonight. Sort of interesting. It, I, I'm going to go crazy if Baker Mayfield plays. You know I like Baker, but also it's just hilarious that he arrived in L.A., I think, yesterday. And he might be playing tonight against uh, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones at Al. So we got that tonight. Lots to talk about. I'm very excited about one game in the AFC this weekend. It might not be the game you're thinking of. Big deal here in New York. The Jets and the Giants. It's incredible. They're going to the playoffs. Are they? Are both these teams going to the playoffs? Are either of them going? Are neither of them going? We have to get that thing because I think uh, the Jets and Giants are going to kind of decide their fate this weekend. And yesterday we did a social call out. That's the fancy name you hear in the, in the old industry about um, what is the Christmas movie that people are way into and that family members or friends of yours like. And you're like, I hate that movie. Why is that part of the tradition? Why is that part of the group that gets brought up every year? I hate that movie. You had great suggestions. Great in the sense that they're opinionated. I don't think all your opinions are right. We'll get into that. We're going to break it all down. I got Hans Gruber right here. Nakatomi Tower. Christmas doesn't start until Hans Gruber hits the bottom. He goes down from... I'm doing it based on where his gun is. So today's the 8th. Yesterday was my dad's birthday, the 7th. December 8th. Hans Gruber. First ever movie for Alan Rickman. I will say it every single time because it's that. It might have been the, the greatest villain in film, film history. Certainly a top 10 guy. And it was his first movie. We miss you, Alan Rickman, and we're going to go with you all the way down to the bottom until it gets to Christmas time. Until then, let's go to our wide shot, which we call our sky cam. I don't know where the basketballs are. My kids come in here sometimes after the show. Yep, here's one of them. One of them's deflated. One of them's lost. And I'm going to go right over here. I'm just going to line this up. Why not end the week with a make? Why the hell not? Yeah! Oh, my God! So I'm going to do, go back to the regular cam. We're going to go back to, um, we're going to figure out how many in a row I've missed. I'm going to say casually it's eight. I made one where I took two shots, didn't really count. But you know what I never miss on? What I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Come on now. I'm loving the pressure that Tua Tonga Vailoa, quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, is going to be under this weekend. I'm interested in Dolphins Chargers for all kinds of reasons. We're in that sweet, sweet spot of the season where it's like, dude, are you good? Let us know. If you're not, get the hell out of here. We're trying to whittle things down. I'm tired of the stupid in the hunt column in the playoff scenario full screen. Are you good? Are you great? Are you average? Are you crappy? Decide. Just decide. Make a move here. Atlanta Falcons, randomly, they made a move this week. Yesterday. Today, actually. They said, yeah, we're done with this. Marcus Mayota, sit down. Desmond Ritter, get in here. We're playing the rookie. Because it's like... We might as well go down fighting, throwing punches. They can't figure it out, so they made a bold move with a little bit of time left in the season where we could still make a difference, and who knows, maybe they shocked the world and win the South. What about the Chargers? They're playing the Dolphins this weekend. I'm interested in the Tua part of it. I'm interested in the Herbert part of it. Here's what's interesting, and this is a fantastic little uh, NFL media story and thing to chew on, and I'm sure the announcers and Chargers versus Dolphins will be all over this. Go back a couple years, 2020 NFL draft. Remember that draft? 2020 NFL draft was the COVID draft. This was the Joe Burrow draft. So here's how it went. Number one overall pick, Cincinnati Bengals. They take Joe Burrow out of LSU. Felt like the right pick at the time. Certainly feels like the right pick since then. Washington's up next. Chase Young. 
a guy who felt like the right pick at the time, has been hurt. Still a ferocious player, might be back on the field, but I don't begrudge them for that pick. Number three, the Lions. Remember who they took? It took Jeff Okuda, cornerback out of Ohio State. Ugh. Number three overall is a rich pick. Jeff Okuda's made some plays this year, but probably won't have that one back. And who knows? Maybe he'll prove us wrong. Number four, the Giants took offensive tackle Andrew Thomas from Georgia. But the main event, number five, the Miami Dolphins, a franchise that has had really one great quarterback. I guess you call him Bob Greasy, too, but one who has a statue out front of the stadium, Dan Marino. I've been looking for one since then. The Dolphins said the streak is over. We are taking Tua Tagovailoa, despite his hip injury, out of Alabama with the fifth overall pick. The Chargers, in the sixth overall pick, sprinted in, or wherever they Skyped it in or Zoomed it in because it was COVID, and they took Justin Herbert. So number five was Tua to the Dolphins, and Herbert was six to the Chargers. And you know what? For the better part of two, two and a half years, that pick has been mocked by the Dolphins. That pick has been, what are you thinking? Look how great Herbert is. How did you pass on him for the, the shorter guy who's left-hander, doesn't have the massive arm? And it's felt like that was a true critique because Herbert has looked fantastic. Now, he doesn't have the results because he's a charger, but he does have that. It's like everything you want. 6'6", six, six, can throw at 90 yards, glorious hair. It just seems to be liked by his teammates. He got everything going. Whereas Tua, man, he's looked bad at times. Okay, so Tua's heard that. The Dolphins have heard that. Come out in this game and just remind everybody, this is different. This is not your older brother's Dolphins. This is not your older brother's Dolphins to Tonga Vailoa. We are going to win this game, and we're going to show that not only did we win this game, we won at the draft that night. We didn't take Okuda, and we didn't take Herbert. Screw you thinking we should have taken Herbert. We took Tua, and we're glad we took Tua, and now we're going to go and we're going to win this game because of it. I just think that that is a storyline that people love. If you're a columnist, if you're a radio host, if you do what I do, it's tasty. It's juicy. And the, the alternative is Justin Herbert comes out there, and as he is wont to do sometimes, he will be spectacular, and he will throw long touchdowns and glorious touchdowns and Keenan here and Eckler here. And if he outplays him, that becomes, man, you could have had that. Imagine how well the Dolphins are doing right now with Tua and McDaniel and all the players around them, Tyreek. Imagine if Herbert was throwing to Tyreek. Then we really got something. That could have been. It will never be. But that's an important storyline. That's pressure on Tua Tagovailoa. You have to play well on this night. It's going to follow you around. It's followed you around for three years. Then maybe the, the Dolphins took the wrong guy. If you lose this game and he does better than you right in front of you, that story's not going away. That's an annoying story. You know what else is annoying for Tua? Tua was not good last week. Had a little record scratch against the 49ers. Now, here's where I come out. Every quarterback, the best ones ever, the best ones now, they have stinkers. They have a big stinker on a particular game. It's fine. Everybody has it. The big dogs don't put two together. The big dogs, after their stinker, they come back and they say, like it never happened. Clear browser history. Like your wife's out of town, you clear the browser history. That's what they do. Mahomes had a pretty bad game. Not his best game against the Bills. Threw a couple of picks. Just wasn't magnificent. That's fine. You do it. It's okay. It happens. Next week, he beat San Francisco. Handily. That same San Francisco defense that just beat the crap out of Tua Tagovailoa. Tua, if you're going to be the guy for the next 10 years, if you're going to be the guy who's really going to compete year in, year out with Allen and Mahomes and Lamar and Burrow and all them, this is the fraternity, dude. you got to keep up with the Joneses here. If you're one of those guys, you don't put together two bad games. You do not do it. The quarterbacks in your conference, quarterbacks in your division are way too good for you to be a guy who says, yeah, I'm up and I'm down, I'm up and I'm down. You're up and you're down, you're up and you're down. You're never going to do squat in the AFC in this generation. The quarterback's too good. The teams are too talented. If you're one of the guys... In this club, Allen, Burrow, Mahomes, you know who I'm talking about. 
Show us. Show us on Sunday night. Or show us that the, the Dolphins took the wrong player. Justin Herbert, you want to show the Dolphins that they took the wrong player? It's on you, too. That's a great one. Two young, talented AFC quarterbacks who seem really different. Chargers, if they lose, oh, my God, if they're going to charger this thing up again like they often do. And if the Dolphins are really this team that, oh, man, Dolphins are going to be able to win the AFC this year, then don't put together two back-to-back bad games. Don't do it. Make up for it. That's pressure. I love it. Let's get into what I hate. Come on now. Uh, I say this all the time. I am not a New York Giants fan. I'm not really a fan of any team, but I wasn't raised as a New York Giant fan as a kid at all. I live in Giants country now. I talk to you guys this, about this a lot. If you were to walk out of this garage right now, walk out of this basement, into the garage, down the driveway, and go three houses to the right, there is a neighbor of mine who has a New York Giants tire cover on the back of his car. Just big old NY. That's how big of a fan that person is. That's how big of a community and that's a Giants community. They, they have to get the tire cover. It's not subtle, not the bumper sticker, not the keychain, the huge blue NY tire cover. Go to my kid's school for school pickup, you know what you see? You see Eli Manning jerseys, Saquon jerseys, you actually do see Daniel Jones jerseys. You'll see an occasionally like random old New York Giants one. Some kid had a Jason Seahorn jersey. Like, where did you get that, dude? From your grandfather? They'll have them. And this kid's in third grade. Giants country. There's been a, a buzz because the, I've lived here for six years. I've lived here in New York. I moved from California for Good Morning Football in 2016. And the Giants um, in the last five years have been so awful and so pathetic that it is bizarre to even be saying the team's name in December. And let me give you the actual information here. The Giants right now are 7-4-1 after that terrible tie last week. Going into week 14, 7-4-1. If it just all ends now and the record scratches and they just fall apart down the stretch, hey, Brian Dable, good job. You were the team of September. That's something to build on, right? Not bad. But going into week 14 in the last five years, this has been their record. 7-4-1 and one now, the New York football giants. 4-8 and eight last year, then 5-7 and seven the year before, 2-10, and 4-8, and 2-10. and ten. That goes back to 2017 meaning their combined record at this exact point in the season where we are right now, 17-43 and 43 in the last five years. There have been four different guys that had coach. Remember Ben McAdoo? Remember him? Remember Pat Shermer was the coach of the Giants? Does Pat Shermer remember being coach of the Giants? It happened. It was very quick and miserable, and that's it. So now we actually have 7-4-1. It feels like 12-0 as far as the Giants are concerned. However... A little bit worried that this is the team of September and October and that it's just falling apart. All right, the Eagles are coming to the Giants. This is the biggest New York Giants football game in five years. You cannot find them a bigger game. This is the one. Because if they lose this thing and they get crushed, you're done. Okay? That means if the Giants lose this weekend, they have one win in their last six games. You're wasting my time. One win in six games. There's 31 other teams. We've got other playoff scenarios to talk about. You peaked early. You built some things. you got a lot to go on. And who the hell knows what's happening with Daniel Jones and Saquon. But Brian Dable, nice season number one. You're not going to the playoffs. You can't win that seldomly coming down the stretch and expect us to take care of you. But you beat the Eagles. You give them their second loss. Somehow you get Saquon going. Somehow you rattle Jalen Hurts, who has not played a bad game all season. I don't see it. I think the Eagles are going to win that game. I think they're going to win that game 31-13. to 13. I think it's going to be a big Eagles win. 
The Giants seem to me just overachieve early on, running out of gas now, too many injuries, not enough firepower, and the Eagles have it all going on. But we'll see. Maybe we'll prove them wrong. It'll be a little more interesting if the Giants won. As far as the Jets are concerned, you know, everyone's falling in love with this idea that both New York teams, it's been a long time since both New York Jets and Giants have been in the playoffs. I think it goes all the way back to like the Keyshawn Vinny era. It's been a while. Jets play at the Bills this weekend. Jets have been playing well. Bills have been playing well. I mean, the Jets have been playing fine, I guess. Um, the Mike White thing, short memory on a lot of Jets fans. He's, uh, he's got some bad history against Buffalo. The whole sensation about Mike White, and oh my God, he's the great, he's the future, and he's the white knight, and the knight in shining armor, he's going to save the city. We did that same thing last year. Do you guys not remember 2020 Mike White, 2021 Mike White? It was the same thing. He had like a 400-yard game. He's thrown it all over the field. He looks like this young, energized dude who's like contagious and got this great body language. And then do you know what happened? And what happened And when it just drove off a ditch in the side of the road? He played Buffalo. Mike White played the Buffalo Bills, last year's Bills. He threw four interceptions in the game, and it was just dead. All the buzz, all the hype. And then we didn't hear from him again until this season when Zach Wilson was terrible. So now, you go back against Buffalo, this time on the road. And the Jets have beaten Buffalo this year, so that's something to be excited about. The defense was really good. Much different circumstances, much different team. But I'm worried about Mike White. I am. I am. You know I've, I've sat here in the basement and said, when he got going a couple weeks ago and he was so cool, I'm like, just, let's just wait. I, I've been fish-hooked by Mike White before. There's a reason he, he's, he's not necessarily going to be the next Patrick Mahomes. There's a lot to like about him, but I don't like where this team is going. I feel like, uh, you know, I love Robert Sala and everything he's doing. Who would they beat, you know? Like, who, who, who did they beat with this regime, with this Mike White? I mean, they had a nice game a couple weeks ago and then lost to Kirk Cousins and they just couldn't get the ball in. I feel like the Jets are going to lose and it's... There's these other teams in the AFC that have all the momentum now that are really cooking. Some of them have really bad records, but they're coming. Like, they're, they're coming hard. And I'm thinking about even teams that are weird and, like, the Raiders who started off so badly. I just am so much more into them right now than the Jets. Both New York teams feel similar to the idea that, like, oh, we're, we're, we're the story of the first half of the season, and then we sprung a leak. And we, no matter what kind of patch we put on it, how much we try to pump it up like a raft that we're in, it's just taking on water. I think both New York teams are going to lose this weekend. Jets and Giants, technically both New Jersey teams. I know Bills fans feel passionate about that. But it's been a fun ride, and maybe we'll see a lot in the future. I, I, I'm very, very worried and very, I very much hate, as the segment would say, the prospects for the Jets and the Giants this weekend. I like the Bills, and I like the Eagles. Potential Super Bowl matchup. But let's get, though, to something that's more interactive. Sometimes you guys, something you guys got involved with. Let's get to what's hilarious. Come on. So I mentioned this yesterday, uh, my wife and I, in, a, in an attempt to really kickstart the holiday cheer, some years you're just into it. Some years it's, you're over it and you're a little bit of a screw. Some years you're like, you know, let's go big on the decorations this year. Let's, uh, let's have everybody over for a Christmas party. Let's buy the sweater. Let's hang the mistletoe. This was one of those years. It was a hang the mistletoe year. So right around Thanksgiving, I said, what if we make a, a, a goal, an agreement, that every night without fail... We're going to watch a Christmas movie. Maybe some of them we've seen, maybe some of them we haven't seen. It's a good opportunity to catch up on a lot of these Christmas movies that people talk about and that they watch in their families, but we've just never seen before. So we're checking them off. I had never seen The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Watched it. I thought it was good. Uh, I'd never seen Jingle All the Way with Donald Schwarzenegger. Watched it. Didn't like it at all. 
for a lot of reasons, not the least of which I found it very distracting that the little kid is Anakin Skywalker, Jake Lloyd, and then that kid grew up to have all kinds of problems psychologically and criminally. I just was thinking about that the whole time. Plus, Arnold is obnoxious in that movie, and Sinbad, all right, never mind, that's not the point. So it opens this conversation. I think all of us, as much as we may like Christmas movies and it's this special little uh, footprint that it has in pop culture, the Christmas movie, for like four or five weeks a year, we watch them. And I, what I've stumbled upon in just talking about this with different people is um, Christmas movies are very unique because in a lot of ways you watch them over the span of your life more times than you watch your favorite movies. So what I mean is if you got a favorite Christmas movie, let's just say it's Home Alone and you only watch it at Christmas time. That means that once a year for 15, 20, maybe 30 years now, you watch Home Alone. That means you've watched Home Alone maybe 30 times. Okay, my favorite Christmas movie is Christmas Vacation. I watch it once a year in Christmas Eve, but I've been doing that since the 90s. So I'm up about 30, 35 viewings almost. I've been doing it actually since like 1990 of that movie. I think I've seen my favorite Christmas movie more times than I've seen my favorite non-Christmas movie. My favorite non-Christmas movie is Boogie Nights, which maybe I've seen somewhere in the 20s. But you start to rack up those Christmas movie viewings over your span of your life that like, man, you see these a lot. My other take on them is, um, did you grow up with that Christmas movie? Because you have a much different relationship with it. And that brings us to today's conversation. A lot of times you're seeing these movies for the first time, as I was with the Santa Claus and Jingle All the Way, where these movies have been around for decades. I've never seen them before. I'm watching them for the first time in 2022. I have a wildly different relationship with those movies than you do if you grew up watching them. I have no nostalgia. It doesn't take me back to being a 12-year-old. I'm not sitting there in my parents' basement. I'm not on the couch next to my sister. I'm doing it now as an adult with my phone looking at it half the time. It's like friends, all right? Think about your best, most longest friendships you have. Maybe it goes back to being a kid. Maybe it goes back to high school. My best friends are from high school. I've been friends with them since I was 14. If I met them right now in my 40s, maybe we wouldn't get along that much. Maybe I wouldn't like them that much at all. We don't have any contacts. We don't have any skins on the wall in our relationship. But we just have so much equity and so much familiarity from over the years. I don't know if I'd like that guy right now. I might be thinking he's kind of a jerk. But since we've been friends since we were on the freshman football team together, we just grew up together. It's the same thing. If you watch Christmas Vacation right now and you've never seen it before and you're a mom or a dad with a family, you'd be like, I don't know, it's kind of obnoxious. Why is Clark like flirting with the sales lady when he's going shopping with his wife and kids? This is kind of messed up, right? But for us, like that's just because that's Clark. That's our friend. This is Christmas Vacation. That's kind of a weird scene, but we grew up with it. It's just like friends. If you don't have that built-up relationship with that movie, you might meet it for the first time and be like, I don't know, this movie's kind of a jerk. It's obnoxious. It's annoying. It should be canceled at this point. There's a lot of things that are offensive in it. I get it. I grew up with that movie. That's the difference. And you grew up with your movies. So we asked you, there's movies in your life, and people in your life love them, but you just hate them. You can't stand them. You want to see the responses? This is you. This is democracy. Here we go. This is what you guys came with in response to the Christmas movie everybody loves, but you hate. All right, Alex. Alex says, I feel like this might come up a lot, but a Christmas story. He goes on, is it supposed to be a comedy? It's not funny. Is the leg lamp supposed to make me laugh? I don't know. Maybe it's a generational thing. And as an elder millennial, I just don't get it. That's a great one to start with a Christmas story. It's an old movie at this point. It's got to be around, I think it came out in the 80s. It's got to be almost 40 years old. 
And now, you know, you see they're making the update with it when Ralphie's back. But there's a lot to not like about A Christmas Story. I grew up with it. There is a nostalgia for me. I, I like the kid who can't put his arms down. I like Ralphie gets the Red Rider at the end. But the crux of, the, of A Christmas Story is, um, is it's a very heavy, kind of dreary movie. There's a lot of misery. Um, a lot of it in the through line of Ralphie's arc is about bullying and this kid just tortures him and twists his arm and beats the crap out of him. The scene with Flick and the tongue on the pole, have you watched that recently? I feel terrible for that kid. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I know it's an iconic scene where I double dog dare you. Flick with his tongue on the pole is terrible. It's a, it's, it's a jarring, dark, sort of messed up scene with this poor kid who's gotta be, what, 11, 10 maybe? And then on top of that, like, um, there's a bunch of scenes with the dogs where they're kind of getting kicked around. They have those crazy dogs and the dad doesn't like them. Um, Ralphie and, and, oh, there's the scene where um, Ralphie blames this, the F-bomb that he says on Schwartz. And then on the phone, Schwartz's mom just beats the hell out of him, like hard. And he's crying. You can hear her hitting him. Not great. Ralphie said with soap in his mouth, not great. It's just a lot of things that are very negative. Now, the leg lamp to me is very funny. That's my favorite sequence of the movie because of how excited the dad is. Fragile. And then the mom's attempt to hide it and she turns it off before they leave and then it breaks. That is to me the timeless one. But the the dinner they go to on Christmas is, is, is not aged well. There's a lot about that movie that if, uh, this is a perfect example. I saw it in the theater when I was a little kid. Love it. I love Ralphie. I love the Red Rider. I love all of that. Um, but there's a lot to not like in that movie. It's very negative, kind of scary. So I, I totally hear you, Alex, but you make my point for me. Didn't grow up with it. The elder millennial, you just don't get it. I don't blame you. Next, what's another movie that everybody loves that you hate? This guy, E. Dauphin, says, okay, I knew this would come in. Love Actually. He goes on, full of weird relationships, affairs, and storylines. Guy proposes to his maid who can't speak English. Dude with the signs being a homewrecker. The prime minister is trying to get with his secretary. Let's not forget Hans Gruber is trying to cheat on his wife. All right, so my wife does not like this movie at all. It's become a modern classic, and I think a lot of that has to do with the soundtrack, and there's some really funny parts and some really charming actors in this movie, but there's a lot of adultery or... Um, approaches to adultery or flirtations to adultery. The Hans Gruber scene that he's talking about where Alan Rickman is trying to buy this gift for this woman he has a crush on is rough. And Mr. Bean is just taking forever packaging it and he doesn't want his wife to find out. It's actually very similar to the Clark in the um, lingerie girl, except Clark's unapologetic. <laughs> the dude with the signs being a homewrecker. That's the best part, is that there's this amazing, the romantic thing that the guy who ends up being the lead in The Walking Dead is these signs and all these words, and it's been spoofed so many times. But isn't that his best friend's girl? Like, and they kissed and everything? Like, I, I, my wife hates that scene. She's like, it's so romantic. What is he doing? That woman is spoken for. It plays on some weird, uh, weird little relationship dynamics. Guy proposes to his maid who can't speak English. I don't know. Love knows no language. That part I don't have a problem with. But I love actually, while charming, and I really like the couple who is um, simulating the, uh, the lovemaking scenes in the movie, that part is really funny. And so is the part at the end where he orders the Budweiser and he meets the American. I love all that. But uh, there's a lot of messed up parts in that, and the least of which is the guy with the signs is, is kind of hamstringing his own best friend. Next, love actually. What else we got? Uh, next tweet comes from Next Level Fantasy. That's the name of the 
of the uh, fan of the Twitter user, and they appear to have a, a dog wearing a Buffalo Bills hat as their avatar. They say Die Hard. Okay, no character development. I had no idea who I was rooting for from the start to the end. You didn't know who you were rooting for in Die Hard? <laughs> I can help you with that. You're rooting for the police officer with no shoes on. Did you think maybe you were rooting for the terrorist who blows the guy's head off when he wouldn't give him the security code? What kind of moral conundrum did you have in that movie? If you want to tell me that Die Hard hasn't aged well, and listen, I, I mean, I've never heard a character development accusation for Die Hard. There is no gray area about who to root for. <laughs> it's, it's binary. Um, I, <laughs> there's a lot of movies where you're like, ooh, who's the good guy here? <laughs> who's the bad guy? You know, like... It, a criminal who is trying to steal for his family to feed his children. Like, that's your moral conundrum. Die Hard is about some terrorists who take hostages and murder people in the end just for money. <laughs> they have no higher calling. And there's a cop who doesn't even have shoes who's trying to stop them. Sir or ma'am who submitted this, root for John McClane. That, that, I, I, I'm, I'm speechless about this. Has anyone ever in the millions, if not billions of people who have seen the Die Hard film been, you know, it was great. I, I loved, uh, you know, the acting and the performances. And that, that villain was amazing. And when he jumps off the ceiling, uh, John McClane with the fire hose tied around his It's just incredible. But I got to tell you, I, I was really conflicted about who to root for. H how do you do it? You got the cop and you got the terrorist. Eh! Tough choice right there. So I don't know. Where did you think? Where did you come out? Did you like the cop who's trying to save all the people and get back with his wife? Or did you like the slick terrorist who is committing murder and just trying to steal money? It's one of the classic questions in film. It really is. Interesting submission from you. Next, is there anyone that's maybe a little more level-headed? Here we go. Eric says, It's a Wonderful Life is the movie everybody loves that he hates. He says, My mom absolutely loves that movie. Loves it. Every Christmas season, she would watch it a lot. I'm talking 10 to 12 times. Every time I came downstairs as a kid, it felt like that movie was playing as she cooked or baked or decorated. I now hate that movie. Eric, I'd never seen that movie ever. I'm aware of the, you know, I know it mostly from showing up in Christmas Vacation. And it's Jimmy Stewart, a good Princeton man who I respect. And um, at the end, the girl says, every time the bell rings, an angel gets its wings. But I never watched the movie. Last year, my wife and I sat down and we're like, you know what? We're kind of missing that. We feel like It's a Wonderful Life. It's an American classic. Disaster. Hated it way too long really boring some weird stuff at the end with kids and violence and hitting and i was just i, I i'm not using this as an expression i fell asleep in the movie brooke watched the rest and she's like oh that movie would never end so i know it's an american classic i didn't grow up with it i don't think my parents grew up but i feel like my grandparents did i'm out on it's a wonderful life it might be a wonderful life it's a dreary depressing really annoying movie next 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 up uh Bear Down. Uh, that might be a Bears fan. He says, I don't understand the love people have for Christmas Vacation. I tried multiple times. Tough watch. You don't? It's also a movie that takes place in Chicago, even though they filmed it in Colorado. It's a good Chicago family from a Bears fan. Listen, I, I'm, I'm not going to criticize you for it. I, I said this again. And if you didn't grow up with it, it's a little weird that Clark is just leering at other women while he's shopping with his kids, and especially because his wife's hot, and she's like a very loyal, cool lady. Um, but other than that, 
like what what is exactly is your problem with that movie? It's unbelievable. Uh, Cousin Eddie is a tour de force. I have actually come away thinking that my favorite character from that movie is Clark's father-in-law, Art or Arthur. Dad, the little lights aren't twinkling. We may do a, like a whole episode of Kyle Brandt's Basement devoted to that character. We get closer to Christmas. I tried to make the point that everyone has their own, but you, you, you've tried multiple times. Tough watch. Try harder. You ain't. You roll over and let Uncle Clark scratch your belly. You ain't never seen a set on a dog like this one, Clark. And Clark's, I, I really shouldn't. My hands are all chapped. It's just every single scene has perfect lines. Anymore? We got to end this thing. It's going on forever. I'm going to do a three-hour show about the movies. But I like this. All right. Adam, he says, the live-action Grinch with Jim Carrey. I, I don't even need to read the rest of the tweet. That movie's awful. It's a Ron Howard director, and I love Ron Howard. They threw everything on the screen they could possibly get. Every single sense is just bombarded with visuals and screaming, and that's before Jim Carrey, the biggest ham of all time, even puts the makeup on. There are many tellings of The Grinch, and The Grinch is still Christmas. That one's obnoxious. Just can't stand it. Whoville, way overproduced is the word. Sensory overload, you get numb to it. It's one of those things where you're watching that movie, and if you're in the theater, which I was, and you're, and you're starting to look at your watch, like, how much longer on this thing? Can, can we just wrap it up and save Whoville? Terrible movie. One more? One more? We're going to do one more? Come on. People will hate me for this take, says Brian Copenhaver, but Home Alone, corny movie with forced humor that I feel people more like for nostalgia than the actual movie itself. I will die on this hill. Um, yeah, it's corny. It doesn't make sense at all that the mom would forget her kid. It's, that doesn't really happen. It's, it's, that's the stretch. Obviously, the movie doesn't work anymore because we have cell phones and the power went out. But Kevin is, is so cute, and he's in this house, and the, the theme is great. And somewhere in my memory... It's, it's great. I love that. It's a great movie. <laughs> Harry and Marv. Those are my guys right there. They're great characters. They're funny. This is Joe Pesci in his um, Goodfellas Prime. I don't know. The movie just works. If you don't get it, of course it's corny. Of course the humor is forced. You really don't think that that House of Horrors would work and that an eight-year-old kid's going to throw paint cans on a string and take out these two criminals? This criminal, by the way, who at the end of the movie when he finally catches Kevin is going to bite his fingers off. You ever seen that scene when they finally get him? Hiya, pal. And they finally backtrack and hang him up on a hook. And then they take his fingers. And um, Harry is about, is about to bite a child's fingers off with his teeth, which is a absolute sociopath behavior. Like, that is that is a disgusting, dark criminal. And then, of course, old man Marley saves him with a shovel. But uh, if you can't, if you don't like Home Alone, I understand it. It's a weird movie that would wildly improbable. The uh, incompetent police force come over. They they solve nothing. I get it. That's one that I like though. I'm way into it, and I like that the kid who plays um, Buzz showed up in like one of the last episodes of Better Call Saul. It was great to see him again. You know what's always great to see? A little segment we call Bite Fight. <laughs> Yeah! All right, so, boom, 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 boom. Take three sound bites. They all get in the ring together, and whichever one is the greatest sound bite, by greatest I mean completely subjectively what I just like the most, wins the bite fight. Three combatants, not two, three. Let's get after it. Up first, 
Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver, rookie wide receiver, George Pickens, visibly unhappy that he wasn't getting the ball during Sunday's win in Atlanta. Sunday's win. It's always dicey when you're complaining about getting the ball in a win. Uh, Mike Tomlin comes into the ring. And um, Mike Tomlin had a reaction to his rookie wide receiver um, after the game. Go ahead. I'd rather say woe than sick him. I want a guy that wants to be a significant part of what it is that we do. Now, the appropriate and professional and mature way to express that, we're growing and working on, and we will continue. Um, but that spirit, that competitive spirit, the guy that wants the ball, no, nah, I want that guy. You know, I would imagine TJ wants to lay the quarterback down more. Um, we got competitors. This is professional football. Um, these guys know that they have to deliver. And so for a guy that, that wants to do that, I'm not going to make that a negative, no matter how silly I think the commentary is or people talking about, him expressing frustrations and stuff and trying to make it a negative storyline. I laugh at that. Again, that's one of the reasons why we're continually progressing because we're capable of tuning that BS out. <laughs> that was good. I thought it was just going to be, I'd rather say, whoa, than sick him, which is great. That's a classic Mike Tomlin. I wasn't anticipating the going on offense against the media portion of that. That was amazing. Does Mike think it's weird that people were raising their eyebrows that his rookie wide receiver was yelling on the sideline about get me the ball, get me the ball in a game that they won? It wasn't like we drove out of our lane to do that, Mike. That was not gratuitous. It's kind of a strange look. <laughs> that was funny. What is that? That's why we laugh at that stuff. I laugh at the commentary. All right, that was really good. I'd rather say woe than sick him. You know, Mike Tomlin's stuff is a little bit preloaded and premeditated, and but I don't mind it. I'd rather say, whoa. So in other words, he's saying, like, I have some sort of, I guess, a dog um, or some sort of attack animal. And you'd rather say, whoa, whoa, easy now. You're going to bite somebody rather than sick them, which is kind of an old-fashioned way to say, go on, go bite somebody, bite somebody. He doesn't have to say sick them for George Pickens. Uh, he does have to say, whoa, and he said, I'd rather pull him back than have to dial him up. I relate to that. I, you know, I coach the little kids in flag football, the third graders, and sometimes the kids are out of control. And in flag football, they like start tackling and stuff, like, you're, like and they're like pushing people over. And you're like, dude, chill out a little bit here, Tristan. You, that, you can't do that yet. Rather than the other kid who just stands there and is still picking dandelions, and you really can't get him going. So even on my very modest level, I relate to that. I'd rather say woe than sick him too. The second part of that was a little bit off, but let's get up to the next combatant. Who's taking on? Mike Tomlin, guess who's in the ring? We got Tyreek Hill, Dolphins wide receiver, ahead of a big game against the Chargers, the Chargers who Tyreek Hill just owns. Tyreek was asked for his advice to Tua coming off Sunday's loss to the 49ers. Here's what Tyreek said. I've been fortunate enough to, to be able to play with one of the best quarterbacks in this league. And, you know, we all have bad games. We all are human and, you know, we all go through certain stuff, man. And, you know, my message to him is, you know, just, just come out, refocus, you know, and a lot of people forget about what you did the last game when you go out here and throw for six touchdowns and something crazy, man. It'll all be forgotten. So, I mean, I've dropped a crazy amount of passes in my career, but my whole focus and my, the way that my parents raised me is, you know, you can't be great and dwell on the past or whatever. You know, you got to be able to move on. Okay. 
sort of a calmer, wiser, introspective Tyreek Hill. And it's fun to hear him reference Mahomes that he was doing at the beginning. I played with him, one of the best quarterbacks ever. And, um, you know, it's trying to get Tua going. I think basically what he was saying, if I was to boil it down into one expression, I think Tyreek is saying, um, you know, I'd rather ha- have to say, whoa, than sick him, I think is what he was saying about uh, Tua Tagovailoa. But it's like I was saying earlier in the show, Tua had a bad game. It happens. Who cares? Don't have two in a row. Great ones really don't do it. Not much. Not often. Tyreek is in. Tough act to follow coming after Mike Tomlin. But we got one more. Bite fight. Who is the third combatant? I'll have to decide that their their quote is better than Tyreek's, who's not going to win, or it'll be Mike Tomlin. Who can take them out? Who is the punching power? Ooh, Von Miller. Von Miller who just had ACL surgery. You know, he got horrible news yesterday that he will not be playing for the rest of the season. Um, here is how Von responded to the horrible news and that reaction to it. Go ahead, Von. Here's my view. What's good? I'm good, man. I'll be right back, man. Um, mentally, I couldn't be in, in a better spot, man. And I think that is the uh, the majority of it, man. Don't feel sorry for me. Don't, don't say I hate it for you. None of that stuff. Because I am good. You know, I'm excited for the opportunity to show my teammates how tough I am, you know, how hard I work, and, um, you know, how important that this means to me, man. So I love you guys, and I appreciate you guys, man. All love and respect. Don't blink, baby. (laughs) That's really good. Tough to see that. You know, he's in the hospital bed. He's got about 17 of those hospital bracelets on in the background. He's hooked up to this stuff, and... But he's got a big old smile on his face. He's got his uh, his Vaughn glasses on and his, his his hat. You know, it sucks. And he wants to win that Super Bowl and he wants to be a Buffalo Bill. I'm also looking at a guy who's been paid all the money in the world, already has two Super Bowls. This is a completely made guy. This is the gravy point of Von Miller's career. So there's that part of it. But there's also the relentless positivity to it. He could be bored. He could be cynical. Don't blink, baby. It's really good advice, too. Don't blink. Don't think about, oh, man, what a bad luck we got. Maybe this isn't just meant to be and then lose to the Jets this weekend. They go one and done in the playoffs. No one ever said this was going to be easy. I'm going to say it over and over. Just because you were preseason favorites in a lot of things, you don't just cruise through, go 13-4, and and then just win your three playoff games, and that's it. Always lots of stuff that goes on. Nobody knows better than Von Miller. And Von Miller is a winner, although in this situation, sew it on a pillow, guys. I'd rather say whoa than sick him. And I'd rather say Mike Tomlin wins bite fight. That's it. Ironic. He's talking about biting animals, and we have a bite fight. Mike Tomlin gets the win. Pittsburgh Steelers keep winning, too. Might mess around and get into the playoffs if a few teams fall apart. In the meantime, that is a dub from Mike Tomlin. Did I get it wrong? No, I don't think so. Respect everybody for entering the ring, but only one can leave. That is the head coach of the Steelers. The guy who's going to always enter the ring right now is my guy, Michael Flynn, who brings us a segment we call Brant Awareness. Come on. What up, Flynn? There you are, back in the kitchen. Take the glasses off, like Clark Kent turning into Kal-El to bring us the headlines. What do we got today? They are off. Let's get into them. Uh, We have heard from Andrew Luck in an ESPN exclusive Mm -hmm. where the former Colts quarterback says that he regrets the timing of his retirement, wishing that he'd done it at the end of the 2018 season rather than after a preseason game the following year. Luck's reason, not so much about his injury history, quoting the quarterback, to play quarterback, you're not allowed to worry about anything except the task at hand. 
and that seeps into other areas of life. It's not the healthiest way to live. I understood myself best as a quarterback. I felt no understanding of other parts of myself at all. I was self-absorbed, withdrawn, in mm. pain, and feeling pressure, end quote. Kyle, what do you make of Luck's comments? It's good to hear from him. You know, I think it's somebody that everybody respects, and I, I miss watching him play. And he really had one of the remember where you were when it happened moments of the last 10 years in the NFL. And it's it's not the Minneapolis miracle or the Philly special. It's just a guy in the middle of the preseason says, I'm done. You what? What do you mean you're done? It's not only that you're retiring early, to the, his point, the season's in a couple weeks. Andrew, what are you talking about? You're done. You got to quit on us. He did. And, you know, he regrets that. And the timing was really bad. And, you, it's, you know, it was unprofessional. You shouldn't do that. Like, you really, really screwed over a lot of people. But I think my response to that would be, if he had played that season and decided, I can't do this now, it's, it's not right, as a Colts leader, as a Colts employee, as a teammate, it would have been miserable. I think he would have completely fallen apart. I, I think he would have played poorly, most likely gotten injured. He was done. Done. He checked out. You can't. You can't play a game in the NFL at quarterback, let alone an entire season of just sucking it up when you're psychologically done. He was finished. That's And he's talked about that. I, I couldn't look in the mirror. It sounds like to me like he was depressed. It sounds like he, he just had clarity. And that I, I am done with football. It, there's, there's not regret about making the decision. There's just regret about the timing. But he didn't want to do it back at, earlier in this year. He, he wasn't there. And so... This is just this rare thing in, in where he got up one morning and it's like, nope, nothing left. And, you know, on our own ways, we might be able to relate to that on our own jobs. If you have a regular job, you just can't go to anymore. You're just going to walk away. Maybe you relate to it in a relationship or something more important like a marriage where it's just you have this crystal clear clarity of it. It's just done and I can't do it for another second. Um, yeah, and I bet he does feel bad that he left a lot of people in a lurch like that. But I think it's also interesting that there was this expansive view at the time that, well, this is going to set a precedent and you're going to see players are going to come in, make their money and get out. And this is just going to be a Pied Piper of young retirees who get in, get a big contract or two and then say, why bother? Not really. It hasn't happened. Not really yet. I mean, there's been other examples of guys walking away who have had health problems and things like that. But I don't think that we're going to see five or six years from now, Joe Burrow just retire. I don't think, um, you know, certainly you got the old guard in the Brady's and the, um, the Rodgers and whatnot, but there was, has not been this sea change in viewers in how at players view the, the NFL and how they view their careers and they can try to get paid and then leave it out. I, I still think they're trying to maximize it. I still think they're trying to stay in as long as possible. You have players changing teams late in their career, players trying for one more contract, and I'm glad and I think probably the NFL in some ways is safer than it was when Andrew Luck played. Certainly was at the beginning of his career. Man, my memories of Andrew Luck are making some really cool plays, but just getting destroyed when the hitting quarterback's roles were much different. They would do that, you know, that thing now where the defensive tackle tackles the quarterback and then lands on him, you know, and they call that a penalty. I feel like Luck took 80 of those where he was smashed by some pass rusher landed flat on his back or his side and took the full weight brunt of that tackler. I feel it's just, in my head, I've just cataloged so many of them. I feel like in a lot of ways that's the Andrew Luck rule. 
just because it just destroyed him. And there was a sense with the Colts where they wouldn't get the proper linemen in front of him because it's like, yeah, Andrew can take it. Look at him. He's 235 pounds of muscle. He's rock solid. Just He'll get up. And so they allocated their assets other ways. And I think eventually he was just like, I just I, I get hurt all the time. All I do is get injured, be in pain, and then rehab. It sucks. For who? For what? As they say. So I can come back and win a Super Bowl? I don't think that's happening. And really, I've made a ton of money. He's got this beautiful family now. And the rest of the article goes on. He fishes. He skis. And does all these things. It sounds like a great life. Still lives in Indianapolis. <laughs> Weird thing where they say he goes to the local coffee place and buys the like best beans possible and then has this perfection complex about making an absolutely pristine cappuccino. Like That is where he channels some of his competitive juices. My gosh, I mean, that's a little weird, but Andrew Luck has always been a little weird. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't have the torch lit for Andrew Luck. They let his teammates down, but it was a weird moment. I, I, I do think the timing was terrible, but I think it was out of his hands. If he had said, I can't do that now, I got to play this season, it would have ended really badly. But it's good to hear from him. Like one of the strangest, most unique cases we've ever had of a guy who is quote unquote generational talent, who if he kept playing, I think would have ended up in the Hall of Fame. Just says, never mind. I got a, a daughter. I got a daughter on the way. I'm happy. Living in Indiana. I make coffee. It's pretty cool. Actually, in a lot of ways, uh, I kind of envy him. But it's good to hear from him, Flynn, as always. Yeah, great to hear from him. Moving on to tonight, Raiders and Rams on Thursday Night Football. <clears throat> a game that's been made much more interesting with the Raiders having won three in a row. And Baker Mayfield not only being active for the Rams, but potentially starting if John Walford's neck isn't good to go. Kyle, what are you hoping for in tonight's matchup? Baker to start. <laughs> I don't care if Baker plays one play. I just want to see him out there. It's so weird. He's number 17. What? He's got the, the Rams jerseys are a little strange, so the optics of it just look weird. And the idea that he would be landing in LAX, I don't know, at like Wednesday morning and playing at SoFi Stadium on Thursday night. They're like, yeah, McVay sent him the playbook. He's been cramming and studying. All right, good luck out there, man. Just know there's no Cooper Cup, and like I don't know what you're gonna do. I, on, on the serious note, though, or I guess more serious note, I'm, the Devonte Adams versus Jalen Ramsey matchup. I'm into that. On one hand, like I look at Ramsey and I really respect because he kind of is like the last man at the party, and they have like five or six stars on that team, and it seems like all of them are out but him. There's no Donald, there's no Cup, there's no Stafford, but Ramsey's out there, and you know he, he's the guy who we kind of just give him this title belt as best corner in the league. We've given it to him for a few years. Let's see. Let's see, man, because he got beat in a critical moment at the end of the game against Seattle last week when DK Metcalf caught the game-winning touchdown pass. He's had a couple other bad moments this year, too, and I get it. Um, D'Angelo Hall, who I'm friends with, says something like about corners. There are no old gunfighters. You know, like, corners are gunfighters. You lose sometimes. You don't just keep winning. So I get you get beat, but if you're the best gunfighter in the West... You should win more than you lose. And you have a nasty dude coming at you, Devontae Adams, who's just lighting everybody on fire when he plays them. I want to see number five for the Rams against number 17 for the Raiders. Lots of reasons to watch. I'm way into it. Plus, Thursday night football in L.A., there'll be the fun celebrity montage. It's a weeknight. They'll come out. Listen, is it the greatest Thursday night game of all time? Of course not. But, man, we've sat through some dogs. This is not even close to even a bad game compared to some of the ones we've had before. So I'm into Raiders versus Rams, Flynn. And let's see if the Raiders are for real. If they're going to make a playoff push, yeah. they, kind of, they kind of need to meet the zombie, the 
beat these zombie rams, as you refer yeah. to them as. Uh, move away from football. Game of Thrones author George R.R. R. Martin has said that he has about 500 pages left in his next book. Martin hasn't released a new book in the series since 2011. That's also when the TV series debuted. That book ended with Cersei's shame walk through the city. Stannis was mm. still alive. The Battle of the Bastards hadn't even happened. Kyle, you think there's a point to Martin finishing his book series? Doesn't sound like it. Um, I watched the show, Flynn, and I, on a scale of one to ten, uh, Game of Thrones fandom, I, I, I was a nine. I was really, really into it. The last season, when it was, you know, the Battle of Winterfell was coming out, I would, the show would come on at nine o'clock or whatever it was. In like three o'clock in the afternoon, I would get nervous. Like I was like I couldn't sit still because I was nervous about <laughs> the horses and swords TV show that night. I felt like I was actually in the battle. So I'm very invested in it. However. Um, the George R. R. Martin news. I don't. I, I've never read one page of the books. Flynn, come back in. I know you have. Can you just unexplain this to me? That give us to this in lay terms the relationship and where it stands between Martin, who wrote the books, and then the show as it went out, and what this new development that you're telling us about means. These shows. So the creators of the show knew how Martin wanted to end the book. He gave yes. them inside intel, and they finished the series to get to that point. The thing that I want to see, and why I still think that the book holds some value is do you know it's been out there the one thing that the tv series ignored that is a pretty big thing in the book do you know about lady stoneheart aka catelyn stark no no so no, what happened there's a chapter each book has like an end scene sort of like a marvel movie and there's a chapter i want to say of the third or fourth book where Caitlyn stark has risen from the dead in zombie form. She can't talk, and she's taking revenge on the Freys and the Lannisters, uh, oh, wow. and has like, like a band of misfits like with her uh, that the TV series just ignored completely. And I, I wanna see how that ends. Huh. Um, yeah. You come from a place of reading the books, which means your fandom is way into it more than mine. I, I gotta tell you, George, wherever you are, I don't care. I, I, I don't care. We we already saw what happened. Zombie cat sounds fine to me, I guess. I, I don't know if I need that. But so I understand it right, Flynn. Like, so I'm a big Harry Potter fan. This is as if J.K. Rowling stopped after the Half-Blood Prince or something. And um, then this, the movies were made past where the books are. All the movies come out, all of them, all the way through to the end. And then she's like, oh, good news. Now I'm going to come back and write the books. Even though you know the story, saw the movies, know the characters and everything, that's what he's doing? That's 100% accurate. And it's not new. It's something that the book loyalists have been waiting for for a very long time and getting aggravated that he's done so many other side projects. I also want to point out that our segment producer, Miles, actually pointed out, he says he has 500 pages left in this book. The first book was only 694 pages. Like, that's a considerable <laughs> amount that he has left to write in that book. Oh, man. This poor bastard. I mean, I, I thank you for creating this and everything. I feel like he's been very much in his head for the last 10 years. He says he still has 500 more. And we already know what's going to happen. We, we know that eventually Bran is going to become the guy who runs things. And, like, we, we, what is the motivation? I can't believe people want to read that much. But, um, listen, he brought a lot of joy into my life with his inventions. 
But I would like to send him a raven to just say, nobody cares, man. I'm sorry. I know there's some book nerds out there like Flynn and great, and you can go read all those pages. We're moving on. We're When's the White Lotus book coming out, okay? <laughs> Yesterday's news. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, you know, work hard and finish your book. I hope you get it out. Uh, Flynn, I know you'll be there when he does. So um, enjoy the weekend. We're out of here. This is it. We got games. We got, we got to go. Um, I got to go shoot something for CBS that's coming out on Sunday. It's a whole ball of whack, but I appreciate you for keeping us aware of all the uh, the headlines. We'll see you Sunday. See you Sunday. Sunday night from the basement, a tradition like any other. And so is any with the dart throw. Let's go to Sky Cam. I'm going to take a walk. You know, sometimes I arm myself, much like if I was uh, defending the walls of Winterfell against the armies of the undead. Man. I had a lot of takes on the end of uh, Game of Thrones, but it's, it's pretty stock at this point to talk about. So instead, I'll just throw this dart, and that is an 11, and I think I've hit Topic 11 several times, so maybe we have a new one. What is Topic 11? It is your least... Oh, no, that's 12. Most you've paid for an event ticket. All right, well, I'll tell you. I'm not going to tell you the amount, but I'll tell you the event. Um, it was the 2016 World Series. Which, if you don't remember offhand, that was the Cleveland Indians and Corey Kluber versus the Chicago Cubs. And uh, I'm trying to remember this right. A buddy of mine who lives in Chicago, which is where I was born and raised, said I got a ticket. And I got a ticket for game three. Do you want to go? And I said, yeah, hell yeah. And he told me the price, which I'm not going to share because it's obnoxious, but it was uncomfortable. The way I refer to it is it was an irresponsible price uh, to pay for a ticket. I was happened to be in Chicago that weekend, and so I said, I'm going. And it just looked at it as like life experience. If you grow up in Chicago and you know the, the whole Cubs history with the World Series, the fact that they were even in it was insane. Now, they were down 2-0 at the time, and this is game three. And we go... And they, oh man, no, they were down, what was it? They were down 2-1 at the time, I think it was, yeah. And this is game four, that's what it was, I had it wrong. They were down 2-1, it was game four at Wrigley, amazing scene, just everything you would think, absolutely electric, oh my god, these people who say I want to see the Cubs win a World Series so I can die happy, all that, and you get there and they lose. And they lose and it was just sort of a weak, low effort game it wasn't terribly exciting maybe they scored a run or two but they just got out pitched and outplayed and i left and they were down three to one in the world series which you think like they're not coming back from this they got you know they got games left in cleveland it's over and i ended up winning of course but i just remember thinking walking out of that ballpark man i couldn't go to a win that stupid irresponsible price i paid for this ticket and i kind of want to have my money back right now. i went to like the most forgettable, least exciting, most depressing game of the entire series. A loss in game four in which like Schwarber was going to come up and hit a home run at the end, but he didn't even get up because he was in the batter's box and they couldn't get to him. Just tough. So that was it. Cubs 2016 game four World Series. And I, I'm glad I went sort of, but at this point I really probably have the money back. That's it. Um, what's the last one? What's the best one you've been to? I don't know. You tell me. Also, tell me more about Christmas movies that everybody loves that you hate. That topic cracks me up. And tell me you'll be here Sunday night because we will. That's our next show Sunday night, the roundup from great week 14 slate. We'll be talking Bills Jets. We'll be talking Chargers versus Dolphins. All kinds of games this weekend. Um, Vikings Lions is kind of tasty. But that's it. I got to go. I got a CBS thing. Watched it. The NFL Today on CBS at noon. I'll be doing a whole thing that I put a lot of work into, so I'd appreciate it. See you Sunday night, guys. Love you. Miss you. See you then.